Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. The voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. You sound like you're from London. I don't want your life. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Showdown with Rock and Rob. My name is Rob Mansford, and with me, the Kroll to my Warrior King, Alex Rockline. What's going on, Alex? Great to see you again. Hey, Rob. Man, I'm excited about this one. Such a departure from last week, but man, I'm ready to roll. Uh, yeah, me too. It's going to be real fun. Real fun. <laughs> so the rock question of the week. You have a daughter. What would be worse if she changed her last name and moved to New York City or that while living in New York, she became a Knicks fan? That's a good one. You know, I'm going to have to go change name and move away. I think that would be much worse because I can handle whatever team she roots for. Because right now, can I tell you what she does? We'll be watching a game and she'll ask me who I'm rooting for. I'll tell her. She'll ask me the team that my team is playing against. And then she will immediately root for that team. So <laughs> I'm already used to this. So if she became a Knicks fan, good for her. Wow, that seems like it bodes well for your future. <laughs> it's an adventure. Well, this week's movies are two underrated classic romantic comedies from what I would consider our generation. We have got How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and Sweet Home Alabama. So I feel some people are very anti-rom-com. Alex, what is your relationship with them? My relationship with them is, uh, it's a positive one. I mean, they can be cheesy for sure. They can be predictable. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they're feel good. You know, they make you feel good at the end of the story. They're, I mean, a little absurd, but just love how the the characters develop and how the mishaps and the storylines always interact with each other. And even though you kind of know where it's going to go, it's still fun to look at how they get there. Many romantic comedies have such a polarizing impact on critics and audiences alike. Why do you think that is? You consider movies, really, what's the point? It's to entertain the audience. And a lot of times when you have the critic opinions in there, it, it goes beyond that. It's sometimes a little more technical or bringing up plot holes or actors' performances. And of course, that stuff is important. But I don't know. When you're going into a movie, there's really a couple ways to go into it. You know, are you looking for the best movie ever? Or are you just going to go in there looking for entertainment? And I feel like if you lean more towards the latter, it kind of leaves you open to way more movies and at the end of the day like we've talked about you really just want to be entertained you want to see a good story you want to hear a good story what about you rob couldn't agree more i feel like when you go into a romantic comedy i'm looking for three things i'm looking for chemistry between the leads i'm looking for decent writing or at least some funny writing and then i'm looking for fun i don't want to have to overly think when i'm watching this movie i just want to be entertained and i think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast was we wanted to put a focus on movies that entertain us not necessarily what happens has the best art form, just what is fun when we're sitting down to watch it. You know, in romantic comedies, there are huge plot holes. There's a lot of coincidences, but it doesn't matter as long as it's fun and you're cheering for the main characters. And I think that's kind of what sets rom-coms apart from some of these other movies. It is those coincidences and foibles that the two characters just run into. Foibles. You like that word? I just snuck that one right in there for you. All right, so this week, Alex will be representing How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and I will be representing Sweet Home Alabama. Alex, what can you tell me about How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? 
Okay, so How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, released February 7th, 2003, the day before I turned 16. We had a budget of $50 million, and the box office brought in over $177 million. That's wild. That's a lot of money. Movie is directed by Donald Petrie. You may know him from Mystic Pizza, Turner and Hooch, Grumpy Old Men, Miss Congeniality. We have a Rotten Tomato score of 42%, where Google gives us a score of 83%. What do you got for Sweet Home Alabama, Rob? So it was released September 27th, 2002, with a budget of $30 million and a box office of $180.6 million. Another just massive box office return. That is, wow. There's a reason why they keep making these movies. They work. People want to see them. People want to see them. You put a star in there, people are going to see them. Rotten Tomatoes gives this a score of 38%, but Google Audience gives it a score of 81%. Directed by Andy Tennant, who did Fool's Rush In, Ever After, Hitch, Fool's Gold, The Bounty Hunter. This movie sold 2 million DVD copies its first day of release. Wow. That's insane. Wow. That is insane. So you got to figure each DVD costs 20 bucks. That's $40 million in DVD sales. $40 million. I mean, that's crazy. The biggest thing about this movie to me, though, it is on TV all of the mm. time. I'm like... Mm -hmm fairly confident that they have an agreement with TBS where they are required to play it 17 times a week. They, they might be. They might be. That might be in the, uh, the fine print. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me about romantic comedies and their success is they really hinge on a strong female lead to cheer for. There are powerhouse actors leading both of these movies with Kate Hudson in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama. Alex, give me some insight into Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson is, she is not only famous on her own merits, but she comes from a very famous family. Uh, her father is Bill Hudson, a singer, and her mother is Goldie Hawn. Her older brother is Oliver Hudson, and they were raised by Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, whom Goldie Hawn remarried, so... Pretty talented. You got, yeah, you got the whole, the works in there. She is an Oscar-nominated actress for her work in Almost Famous, which is an excellent film. It had a great run of rom-coms, including You, Me, and Dupree, and Fool's Gold, which also featured Matthew McConaughey. She even, Rob, has her own line of Fabletics activewear. And you might be wondering why that's important to us. <laughs> is this important? <laughs> this this podcast is uh, brought to you by Fabno. Yeah, yeah. Tell us who is giving us a million dollars to put this podcast <laughs> this, out. This, yeah. Definitely not Fabletics. <laughs> Product placement with Fabletics. Uh, you know, Rob, I don't think she gets enough credit for how good she is and how funny she is in this movie. Like genuinely funny, laugh out loud funny. And it turns out that to get inspiration and, and some experience, job experience for this role, she spent a day shadowing Vogue's editor-in-chief, Anna Wintour, which in the movie, you know, we're, we're seen with a fictional magazine of composure. So I thought that was pretty interesting. She definitely did her homework. It might have been a little bit overkill, but <laughs> it's still, hey... I appreciate the effort. I really do. She went for it. She went for it. And this is really fun that a lot of her scenes were improvised. Boys Night, the movie theater, uh, when she brings the dog in to meet Matthew McConaughey's character in his office, some parts of the couples therapy scene, which I think those are the best scenes of the movie. I think those, those are some of the funniest scenes of the movie. And the fact that, that she was yeah encouraged to improvise and they came out the way they did. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I did not realize that those were improvised before I watched it this time around. And those were genuine 
genuinely the funniest scenes of the movie. It just made it even more impressive what her and McConaughey were able to do together and their chemistry. I will say, as impressed as I am with actors and actresses when they improvise lines and in, in their scenes, I mean, that takes, you know, another level of comedy and acting. But when their scene mates can just feed off that and roll with it and not break character, I mean, that in itself is just as impressive. And you can see that in a lot of these scenes where I think a lot of the reactions are, you know, they're very authentic because they didn't know, you know, what the other one was going to do. So I think for those of you at home, now that you know this information, if you didn't know know before, go ahead, turn on whatever channel this movie is on this week. watch with this with this in mind i think it will add to your enjoyment all right and rob i got something for you here so in the movie one of her friends says if she were to barf on any man they would ask her to do it again let me pose this to you if kate hudson barfed on you would you ask her to do it again i don't think i would ask her to do it again but if the true meaning of this question is would it bother me if on a date kate hudson barfed on me the answer is unequivocally not at all (laughs) that's Especially, especially if she was wearing that Knicks jersey. I mean, she pulled that off in this movie. I got to say 100 out of 100 on that. There you go. So while I don't think I would encourage her to continue to barf on me, I would absolutely deal with it for the fact that I would be on a date with Kate Hudson. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Her character name in this movie is Andy Anderson, which I don't know, Rob, sounds a little bit like a superhero name. It flows really nicely. But what parent would do that? To their child. What what do you think her real first name was? Andrea. Andrea Anderson. That's a lot. That is a lot. All right, Rob, tell me about Reese Witherspoon. People love Reese Witherspoon. Besides being a great actor, she has the book club and the Draper James fashion line. She has some great credits like Cruel Intentions, Election. She's got a hilarious cameo in Little Nicky. I don't know if you remember that. It's pretty, pretty funny. And then obviously Legally Blonde, huge movie for her. That's actually the movie that helped her get this role. She's a two-time Oscar nom with one win for Walk the Line. She's had some great TV successes recently with The Morning Show and Big Little Lies. On the flip side of the strong female leads, you need someone that can gel with them. In How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, we have Matthew McConaughey. What can you tell me about Maddie Mick? Does anyone call him Maddie Mick? No one calls him Maddie Mick. All right, all right, all right. You may know Matthew McConaughey from his Oscar win or famous role in Days and Confused, but what a transformation he has gone on in his career, Rob. He did A Time to Kill and then basically had six prominent rom-coms in an eight-year stretch. Which, if I'm not mistaken, I believe most of them have the exact same poster. I think you're right. That pose of him leaning on the girl, it's in this movie, it's in a bunch of other movies. Failure to launch, I believe, is maybe the same poster. I think, yeah, I I can picture that now, Rob. And besides being a massive supporter of Texas football, he has starred in some massive hits such as Magic Mike, Wolf of Wall Street, and Interstellar. I think the story that I read about that explains him the best, this is just very Matthew McConaughey, when he was considering taking this role in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, he said he was walking down Sunset Boulevard when suddenly a fortune teller approached him and says, there is a movie you are considering right now. It's a romantic comedy. You have to do this or this will be one of the biggest regrets of your life. He laughed at the thought, but then gave it a little bit more of a serious consideration. And then he accepted the role on the next day. And I think the rest is history. (laughs) That is the most Matthew McConaughey story I think I've ever heard. I miss 
Matt as a romantic comedy lead. I think he was really good. I understand why he chose to go a different direction in his career, but he was really good in those movies. He was really good in those movies. And, and yeah, and he was entertaining. He was a believable character, I think, in a lot of these. But yeah, you can see why actors and actresses kind of want to branch out from being pigeonholed into a role or typecast. Think about some of the other stuff he's been in since then. And I think he just shows that, you know, he's got range and he can kind of be in any sort of role at this point. I think you're right. There's a part in this movie, the first time he meets Andy Anderson and he goes up and he basically tries to pick her up only using one word phrases. Do you have to look like Matthew McConaughey to pull that off? I kind of feel like if I tried it, somebody would call the police on me. I mean, the answer is yes. Yeah, Rob, I I couldn't do that either. You got to look like that. There's like maybe like eight people that could pull that off. I wouldn't even have the guts to even try to do that. Yeah, maybe the confidence comes with the looks. I don't know. I can't speak for that, Rob. Uh, No, no. You and I, well, I won't speak for you, but I am out of my depth when it comes to that. (laughs) I would give yourself credit, Alex. You're a very handsome man. Maybe you I mean, you are too, Rob. You are too, Rob. That's why Uh, we're doing an audio podcast, though. We have faces for audio. (laughs) I kept track of how many nicknames he had in this movie from Andy. Do you know how many there are? It's got to be double digits, right? Here, let me list them all for you. Okay. Benny, Benny, boo, 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 boo. Benji, Sweet Pea, Rocky, Benny Bear, Muffin, Benny Wenny, Bennykins, Sweetie Pea, Benky Wenky, Mr. Sniffle, Stuffy Head, Sweetie, Ben, Sparky, Benjamin, Binky, and then he calls himself Gentle Ben. Jeez. I mean, are any of those good? Like, would you want to be called any of those? No. I mean, just Ben is fine. But honestly, if it was Kate Hudson, she could call me anything she wanted to. Yeah, there you go. Does Abby have any funny names for you? In our house, Bluey is a, is a big show right now. And so she calls me big guy, that guy. One of the names they call the dad. That, it's usually like that guy. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Are you sure she's just not tired of answering questions from Evelyn? And she's like, why don't you just go ask that guy? <laughs> That's exactly when those names come you out. You just walked past your father to ask me this question. He <laughs> is also able to respond. <laughs> that is exactly what happens. But Rob, I did notice there there is a nickname in here that, that you call me. I actually noticed that too. You want to share it with the world? Yeah, it's uh, Benky Wenky. No, I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Rocky. See, we have this thing going back, the little, little, little background on Rob and I. We were... Uh, college roommates and and rob loved giving me, and maybe it stemmed from this rob maybe this movie is what inspired this but you loved giving me nicknames it started smaller and then every year i would try to just add more and more i remember one year on your birthday i think i sent you an extremely long text it must have had 20 plus nicknames in it for you i remember this exact i mean i probably still have it somewhere yeah every year you just kind of like add on to the list <laughs> yeah i appreciate that there were like three that were good every other one was so dumb (laughs) it's kind of like this list though so i i honestly think rob i think that's where this came from i'm not gonna say it didn't yeah yeah we'll just leave it at that so getting back to matthew mcconaughey studio the the writers they were concerned that people would not believe matthew mcconaughey's character would have come from new york city so they they wrote in that his father was in the navy his mother was had a southern accent so it was kind of implied that maybe they moved around a lot probably you know not completely necessary but you know i I appreciate the effort a little going above and beyond there Oftentimes in like serious dramas where you're like, why does this person sound like this? I don't think anyone's questioning that for a romantic comedy, but, you know, appreciate the effort. Good on them. 
So, Alex, one of the most well-known parts of this movie is when Kate Hudson's character names Matthew McConaughey's We're a Family podcast, so I will say member, Princess Sophia. You can't name my, my member, Princess Sophia. It doesn't... Yes, I can. Listen, listen, listen. If, you, if you're going to name uh, my member, all right, you, you got to name it something hyper-masculine, okay? Something like a spike, a butch, a crawl, the warrior king. I found that part very funny the first time I saw this movie. On rewatch, though, it gave me a little PTSD back to this time where I was talking with my wife and I referenced my own member in a fun-loving way as a chicken tender. <laughs> and she looked at me very seriously and said, well, maybe a chicken nugget. <laughs> and uh, at that moment, I would have much rather had it be called Princess Sophia. Yeah, yeah. You know, little shot to the ego, but nothing I can't move on from. Yeah, you got downgraded there. Yeah. You got a you got a demotion. I mean, yeah, at least at least in the other context, Princess Sophia, while not, you know, my first choice, it's vague enough, right? Yeah, I mean like whatever. Once again, Kate Hudson's calling my member Princess Sophia. At least Kate Hudson's talking about my member. <laughs> That's there you go. It always comes back to that, doesn't it? It's, a, it's just always coming back to that. It's always coming back to that. <laughs> family show, though, Al. Get your head out of the gutter. It's a family show. This is a family show. We want people to be able to listen to this in the car with their children. Exactly. Instead of Kids Bop 48. <laughs> They're up to like, I don't even know. I don't even know, Rob. Anyway, so in Sweet Home Alabama, we have Josh Lucas as the male lead. This is his first leading man role. I, I think he was pretty believable in this part. I would take McConaughey over him but i think josh lucas did a pretty good job he had really freaking blue eyes i don't know really if could... really blue I, yeah. I i actually said to krista while watching this movie i was like there's no way those are real but then i looked up pictures of him it, it's real he just has really blue eyes i also looked up pictures of him for the same exact reason i was like he's his eyes are like dreamy they're not even blue they're dreamy i think that josh lucas's character and this is nothing against josh lucas I think it was just written so that he took a backseat to Reese Witherspoon. Whereas in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, they were they were pretty much on the same footing. I actually saw written somewhere How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was referred to as a chick flick for guys. And I think a huge part of that is the Matthew McConaughey storyline was just as equal to the sure. Kate Hudson storyline. Whereas Sweet Home Alabama is a Reese Witherspoon vehicle. This is her movie. Josh Lucas is there to highlight Reese Witherspoon. Yes, he, he's a game manager. You know, he, he does his job. He's great, but he's he's not stealing the spotlight. Yeah. This movie, uh, Rob, also has Patrick Dempsey in it, which I don't know if you knew, but the original role for Patrick Dempsey was much different than what we got in the movie. It was always weird to me why he was such a nice guy. Usually you want someone like that to be a tool so that you're cheering for Reese Witherspoon's character to get back with her husband, which is what the movie wanted us to do. But the fact that he was really nice in this made me feel bad for him. But then during the, you know, they try to build him back up, let you know he had a happy ending during the end credits. It's revealed that he is engaged to a woman named Anarin Vanderbilt, which if you know anything about American history, the Vanderbilt last name comes with a lot of power and prominence. So it was like, oh, look, he ended up with somebody really great. His mom probably approved of all of that. 
But did you know, Alex, that there is actually an entire storyline involving this Aaron woman? So I went and I watched these scenes. So she worked for Melanie, had a secret crush on Andrew, probably worth cutting. Yeah, Rob, I, I, I watched these deleted scenes after you mentioned them. And if they kept all those scenes in, sure, like the ending would have made a little bit more sense. You would have had someone to root against because in this case, the breakup is pretty amicable, you know, at the wedding. Yeah. All right. Good luck. Good luck. All right, Alex, you ready to let the games begin? I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for this one. I think this is going to be fun. So round one, best cast or performance. What do you got, Alex? We've already talked about Kate Hudson. We've talked about Matthew McConaughey and in their roles and, you know, how great they were. I don't know if you knew, but Gwyneth Paltrow was originally supposed to be cast in this role as uh, Kate Hudson's character, which much different, much different. Not to say Gwyneth Paltrow couldn't have pulled it off. I mean, definitely would have changed this film completely. Yeah, especially Gwyneth from that time period. I just don't see her being as funny as Kate Hudson. I know. And and the fact that we know now that, you know, Kate Hudson was able to improvise and it's like, I don't know what that would have looked like. Don't you always wish that there was a version out there, though? Like, I wish they had like a screen test to at least see what that would have looked like. Yeah, just like show us one scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. We also have uh, Catherine Hahn, who I love. She is great. She's in so many things. She's in the Spider-Verse movies, WandaVision. She's in Step Brothers. She's an Anchorman. She has a recurring character in Parks and Rec. She is so good in Step Brothers. She's good in everything she's in. I'm a, I am a big Catherine Hahn fan. Yes. So her character in, in this movie is very dramatic, um, <laughs> has some trouble with with keeping a boyfriend. She is the inspiration for the article that Kate Hudson's character writes. It's revealed that her boyfriend, that spoiler alert, she eventually gets back with at the end of the movie. Do we have to do spoiler alerts for movies that are 20 years old? No. I think we're past the statute of limitations. She reveals that she had a date. She had sex. She cried because it was so beautiful. (laughs) How How would that make you feel, Rob, if you're on the other end of that? Uh... You know, the egotistical side of me thinks that if that were to happen and it wasn't like an ugly sobbing cry, I would be like, dang, I'm just that good. Yeah, right. There you go. But knowing that my wife refers to my member as a chicken nugget, I think I would also realize (laughs) that this is she's probably crying more because she's like, wow, how many more years do I have to endure that? Um, So, no, I can't say I'd feel great about it. How to lose a guy in one date. All right, so we also have Adam Goldberg and Thomas Lennon as Matthew McConaughey's co-workers who, I mean, these guys are great. I feel like you kind of see them everywhere. Thomas Lennon, he's in everything. I love them. They're hilarious. They were really good. I feel like that's kind of a really important role in these type of movies too. It's like, you know, the best friend, the work friend. It's like people that the main characters have to corroborate with, to have some funny lines with. And both sets of, you know, supporting actors in this on Kate Hudson side on Matthew McConaughey side. Hilarious. Really good. Yeah, they're the characters that kind of get you into the head of the main character. You know, they're the ones that at the end of the day, they're, you know, revisiting the dates or whatever. And they're, you know, oh, this is what happened. This is what happened. So it, it kind of gives you a look into like the game plan for that character. They don't take the spotlight, but very solid supporting roles. That was a good punch by you in that round. But let me give you a punch back. So in Sweet Home Alabama, Charlize Theron was originally cast as Melanie Carmichael. How do you think that would have gone? Man, you know, I don't think it would have gone bad, but I mean, Reese Witherspoon, I just describe her role in this movie as charming. She's very charming. She pulls it off. It's hard to think of anyone who would be able to 
top that role. The person's supposed to be Southern. Reese is from the South. I think she fit this role perfectly. Charlize Theron was in a romantic comedy with Seth Rogen a few years back called Longshot. And she was really good in that, but she played a much more serious person. And I feel like that's what she would have brought to this. It would have been more serious, whereas Reese kind of played with it, allowed it to be a little bit more fun. So we've got Patrick Dempsey. We talked about him earlier, but what I did not mention, Mick Dreamy from Grey's Anatomy. We have Fred Ward from Road Trip, Summer Ketch, and Joe Dirt. Fred Ward plays Melanie's father. Then we've talked about Josh Lucas. He was in Glory Road, Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey. I think what he might be most known for, though, is his voiceover work for Home Depot. I did not know that. Wow. We've got Gene Smart. I love Gene Smart. I forgot she was in this and I'm watching and I was like, holy crap, that's Jean Smart. She's so good in Hacks. Do you watch Hacks? She, yes, she is so funny. Yeah, she's so good. Then playing young Melanie, Dakota Fanning, you may know her from Man on Fire or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Rob, you know, I like to do this. I like to see, you know, especially these movies from the 90s. They appeared on some of our favorite shows. And you know what? We have five characters over these two movies who appeared on the popular television show Friends. Wow, five. Five. We have three from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We have Annie Paris. We have Adam Goldberg and Thomas Lennon. And then on the other side, Sweet Home Alabama, we have Reese Witherspoon and Dakota Fanning. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to give you a little pushback on this. Josh Lucas doing the voiceover work for Home Depot and Gene Smart. How are you going to say that anybody? I don't care how good Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey are. How do we say no to those guys? Yeah, and, and and you know Patrick Dempsey is is phenomenal, and you you know how he went on and you know had his stardom in Grey's Anatomy, but I don't know, man. I mean, Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey, Catherine Hahn, like these are these are big time. You know, I will say I do think that the acting was probably better in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, and nothing against Reese Witherspoon, but. Kate Hudson in the Knicks jersey. All right, fine. I'll give it to you. Thank you. All right, so that's one point for how to lose a guy in 10 days. Let's go on to round two. Best line or moment? You got all the the tropes, the cliches in these movies, you know, the the misunderstandings, the coincidences, the mix-ups, of course. How to lose a guy in 10 days. We got the lead actress is very relatable. You know, Kate Hudson falls in the beginning of the movie. She likes sports. Guys like girls that like sports. <laughs> Yay, sports. Yay, sports. She's a great friend. One of my favorite lines is when, you know, she's pitching the article. You know, they're talking about it. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Why 10 days? Well, five's too short and we go to press in 11. That's just a great line. <laughs> You got the title of the movie in there. You got the premise. Like, there's a reason why it's 10 days. It's not just pulled out of anywhere. That is good. Yeah. You got McConaughey coming in with his motorcycle. He's changing in his office. You got the girl swooning, which, I mean, parts a little, maybe, maybe not. It has not aged well. I don't think I could be doing that. I mean, granted, I work from home, but when I went into an office, I didn't just start changing in there. And there's got to be an HR violation in there somewhere. There has to be an HR violation in there. And then just all of the different things that Kate Hudson's character tries to push him away. Talking through the movies, the punch. What a massive punch. How long would you be unconscious if a guy hit you like that? I'd be out. You know, I'd be out for a bit and I'd wake up wishing I was still out, probably. I think the movie scene, that might have been what pushed me over the edge, just talking through the movie, trying to get me in a fight. But I don't know. It is still Kate Hudson. It is still Kate Hudson. And the fact that, you know, like, she's trying all these things, but at the same time, he has his own agenda. 
Yeah. He's not he's not backing down. She's not backing down. You know, they're they're button heads. The scene where I don't you know, I don't eat meat. Mary had a little lamb. I wish I ate meat. Mary had a little lamb. Little lamb. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you mentioned this earlier as being one of the improv scenes, but I really, really found it hilarious when she's holding the veggie platter and Matthew McConaughey makes like the you're crazy symbol to his friend. Mm -hmm. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you're saying I'm some kind of mental person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just like throws it. It's so good. And then at the end when she's singing and I think it's Adam Goldberg's character says tone deaf and drunk, not a good combination. Yeah. That's a good one. And, you know, I think the scene where she comes and meets his family, which for me is it's where it clicks for her. Like, man, I think I really do like this guy. That's a great scene. They're playing, you know, they're playing BS card game and it just starts off as a card game. But, you know, you can really see how that's tying into basically what these two are doing to each other. And I think it plays really well. And then especially when that comes back in at that last scene with the taxi, I think that was just a nice way to, to bridge that. Yeah, it's really good. Let me hit you back with some of the cool stuff that I liked from Sweet Home Alabama. So I really actually did like the proposal scene. It didn't make any sense. So she has a runway show. They're supposed to go to dinner after the runway show. What is the time? How long are they having dinner at 11 p.m.? I guess maybe in New York City you can do that. But then they go into Tiffany's after hours and he he's like, pick any ring you want. How long do you think they're in there for? A significant amount of time. Like that is hours. Yeah. Like how are you? that you know you get to choose any engagement ring you want and that store was massive there were a lot of people who put their trays out on the counter yeah that's all you're not just picking the first one you see no do you think that is more or less romantic than picking one out for yourself and proposing i think the move itself is more of a flex i think it's less romantic and you know what i think it kind of does tie into the fact that maybe he doesn't know this girl as well as he thinks he does hmm they also in that same scene when they're going to dinner at what could only be two in the morning, they have that cliche. They're in the back of the limo kind of making out. And she says, Jimmy, excuse us and roll up the window. I always find that so awkward. Like the limo driver absolutely knows what's happening. That is just weird spot to be in. Yeah, that's awkward. But, you know, he's you know, he's used to it. I'm sure. I mean, I think that comes with the territory. A couple of the lines I really liked. I really appreciated it when. The dad calls air condition bought air, which now that I am a father, I totally relate with. Anytime my kids leave the sliding door open, I'm just like, oh my gosh, come on. Absolutely. I think the funniest part of the movie, though, is when Josh Lucas and Patrick Dempsey's character show up at the house at the same time, and Josh Lucas calls himself Melanie's cousin, and then they go and confront Melanie, and she says the thing about, this is my ex-husband. And Patrick Dempsey totally jumps to the first thing that pops into her head, which is, you married your cousin? Yeah. Uh, That whole sequence is really funny. Yeah, that was really good. Look, while I really love the bald air and the you married your cousin aspect, my wife and her friends used to always say drama, drama, drama to each other. Drama, drama, drama. 
in high school. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have to give this to you. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days definitely made me laugh way more than Sweet Home Alabama and had a little bit more emotional punch at the right moments too. Yeah. And I think, Rob, I think there are some more parts of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days that do stand the test of time and maybe stand out as as a unique scene in the movie. Whereas Sweet Home Alabama, I think, has less of those. What stands the test of time probably win this category for me. I agree. Wow. Okay. So How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, up to I'm feeling good, Rob. This might be a sweep. Let's not jump the gun, all right? Okay. I think we still got some fight in us. Hey, I lost last week. I need a win. So round three, better title and soundtrack. Titles are important to how serious I take a rom-com. I think that's a really important part of what makes it good. And I also love when a movie says its title in the movie, which actually both of these films do. So I think we could be in for a good debate here. Yeah, I I think so too. And How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I mean, you get the tie-in with the article right to the point, you know, where everyone's on the same page. We we know why it's 10 days from earlier. Let's talk about some of the music in uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. We got Hot in here. I mean, that's a throwback. But he quickly changes it. I think Matthew McConaughey might self-edit here and be like, is this appropriate for right now? Do you think that Hot in Here ever would have worked in a one-night stand situation? Is it post-prom in the <laughs> yeah. 90s? Maybe. Maybe. Or the 2000s, I should say. Early 2000s. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Can I tell you a quick story about Hot in Here? And I think of this every time I hear that song. <laughs> Absolutely. So in eighth grade, I went to an eighth grade graduation party at my friend's friend's house. And this was in the middle of the day. And they had a makeshift dance floor. And so we're dancing. We're having fun. It was like, you know, one of the first boy girl parties. Like I said, middle of the day, though. All the parents are there. There's no privacy. So that song comes on and I'm dancing with this girl. And she literally starts trying to take my shirt off as the, you know, song instructs. And I'm sitting there, you know, 14 years old. Parents are just staring at us. What is happening? And still to this day, probably one of the top five most awkward moments of my life. I can't remember how I got out of it. I think I just kind of did like a weird pirouette dancing, drop it to the floor type of thing and was slowly trying to back my way out of there. But every time I hear that song, I just feel those parents judging eyes on me. And now that I am a parent, I feel that judgment even more. Yeah. Did you feel it when you watched this movie again? A hundred percent. I for, yeah. I forgot this song is in that movie. Yeah. And so once they started playing it, it started bringing back all of the rush of memories. Well, Matthew McConaughey's character quickly realizes maybe not the right choice. And then he switches to uh, Let's Stay Together by Al Green. Really good song. We have You're So Vain. We have the karaoke scene, which phenomenal scene. Really good. They do a few things in this movie where... It really points out that Matthew McConaughey works in advertising and his ability to rhyme in that scene. You, you fooled me to win a bet and you should feel ashamed. Look, you took me to a goddamn Celine Dion concert. You made me miss the big game. Oh, smart guy's a rhymer. Well, do we want everybody to know your lovemaking is lit? Oh, maybe because you named my penis. Yeah, you <laughs> named my penis. You named my penis after a name. Get over that. I don't know if this is intentional, but it does kind of fit somebody that works in advertising. He was quick on his feet with that one. There's some hits in this in this one. Can I point out, I really enjoy Keith Urban, Love Somebody Like You, yep. on like the kind of family visit portion of the movie. And going back to early in my relationship with Krista, I remember saying, oh, I really like that part of the movie. I like that song. And she was like, oh, I hate that song. Like, why would you love somebody like you? Why don't you just love that person? And I was like, I, I don't 
think that's I think you're thinking a little too literally right here. I think that's that right. is what, what you want saying. me to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We were like dating for a few months and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're like so right. Like everything you say is gold. And yeah, you're great. But in 15 years, I'm going to remind you how stupid that statement <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, enough time has passed that we're safe now, Rob. Once we have children together and I have a podcast with Alex, I'm going to tell the world that that is the dumbest thing you could have said. <laughs> you just wait. Yeah, I'm sitting on this. I'm going to cash this one in when I'm ready. That is what marriage is, right? You're just that, sitting on things. That is. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. I don't really have much to say. I do like the title, Sweet Home Alabama. It's fitting. Yes, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, great soundtrack. But Sweet Home Alabama is probably one of the all-time most recognizable songs, and it's really, really good. How do you lose in a round that has Sweet Home Alabama in it? Okay, Rob, I get it. The, the title of the movie is Sweet Home Alabama. The song is Sweet Home Alabama. Once you know you hear that intro, you get pumped. But can I fire back something real quick? They don't play the original version of the song. It's only covers. You noticed that? I noticed that. Were you trying to... You were you were hoping. You, I was hoping yeah. you wouldn't have picked up on that. Yeah. No, no. Lin- Leonard Skinner did not perform live in this movie. That was not them. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the actual Leonard. Th- that was not them. Uh... I think if it, they would have played the original Leonard Skinner version of that song, I'm not letting this round go, but it was two covers. I think I have to concede the soundtrack and honestly, the title is way better in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. So you're up 3 nothing. I'll take the 3-0 lead. 3-0 How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. What could go wrong with a 3-0 lead? I don't know. Ask the Yankees. All right, so that takes us to round four. Plot holes, cringy, poorly aged things, and random thoughts. So how we'll do this, I will give my thoughts on the plot holes and issues with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and then Alex will give his thoughts on Sweet Home Alabama, and whichever movie we feel has the least amount of those things, we'll get the point. Let's do it. The plot holes I have for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. The first one right off the bat. So they have 20 minutes to go get their friend from her apartment back in time for the meeting. We see them take the elevator in the office. So they're not on the ground floor. They go down to the street. They have to take a taxi to their friend's apartment. Go and get her. Get her dressed. Get back in a taxi. Back up the elevator in time for a meeting. There is no world in which you can do that in 20 minutes in New York City. Yeah. You know, I love the premise of the movie. But if Matthew McConaughey would have paid a little bit more attention earlier in the relationship, he would have realized something was up. So their first date, they go and eat crab meat. Then when he cooks her the lamb meal, she says, I wish I ate meat. Legitimately, a few days ago, you were just eating meat. Mm. Yeah, first date. He, He would have figured it out right from the beginning. How do you at least not bring that to her attention? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I just assumed because you ate 10 pounds of crab that you were fine with meat. Right. That's true. So you had mentioned we've got the NBA finals in this. We've got the Knicks versus the Kings. There's a few issues with this. First off, the timeline of the series, they begin and end this series all within 10 days. That is way too short of a time to play a seven game championship series. Mm -hmm. We also see they have a home game for game one. Then I believe they have a home game for game two. Mm -hmm. Then they had the home game for game three. That's when they're leaving the Celine Dion concert as the Knicks game is getting out at the same time. Correct. Stop me if I'm wrong, Alex, but uh, I don't believe you get three home games in a row in the NBA finals. I don't think you do. I think you get two to begin. 
There are a lot of home games in New York. Let me move on to some cringy and poorly aged things. So early in the movie, Matthew McConaughey and his friends are saying that the other girls in the advertising agency are only getting the job because of their looks. We know that's not true. Women can do anything a man can do, and in most cases, better. True. They also have those women using sex appeal on the boss to get their way, you know, pulling the boss's hand down their shirt. And that's just not necessary. Maybe they were just really good at their job. That was a little, yeah, that was awkward. That was awkward. The other thing, we can't fault the movie for this, but it just doesn't age that well. So on the second date, Matthew McConaughey wants to watch the Knicks game. They go to a restaurant, so he misses the game. He had to rush home and turn on the 11.25 p.m. sports to see who won the game. Yeah. I mean, with smartphones now, that just would not be an issue. He would have been tracking that game the entire time. Do you remember doing that, though, when we were younger? Just having no idea. I remember doing it for two things. For one, sports, you'd rush home. You'd be like, oh, did the Yankees win today? Whatever. You rush home. You put it on the news or sports center or whatever it was, just hoping you could see it either on the clicker or on the highlights. And then I remember doing it for music, too. Oh, I really like that song. I'm going to put on MTV and hope they play it. Yes. That was when MTV used to play music. That's right. The M, I believe, stands (laughs) for music. Yes. The other thing I thought really stood out was when they're in the office trying to think of advertising slogans, the guy has a thesaurus out and he's like, Mm. what's another word for? And they're like, would the internet just change that completely? Now you just Google. Yeah synonyms for whatever really changes how things are done makes things a lot faster that was a good invention rob yeah internet most of the time it's good most of the time it allows us to do this so it can't be all bad all right i have a couple random thoughts i just want to ask you when andy's having that meeting going over the articles and the the publication stuff the boss says okay shoes off everybody which i find very gross the editor then goes on to not know who the dalai lama is which i don't care if you are an editor for the worst magazine in the country every you know who the dalai lama is i mean i know who that is that one didn't stand up for me another thing i want to point out so she she's wearing that beautiful gold dress at the end of the movie and she walks out she's not wearing a necklace and that dress is clearly designed to be worn with a necklace there's no way that she would have left the house without a necklace yeah and i know they had to do it because she had to put on the thing which honestly like they could have cut that whole part out of the plot it didn't need to be in there but you know whatever The last thing I want to say is the wasted Game 7 Knicks tickets, which is just to waste tickets like that. That hurts. That hurts to see. Yet another home game. They were all home games except for like one. What do you got for me for Sweet Home Alabama? Sweet Home Alabama, we see um, Reese Witherspoon coming to meet Patrick Dempsey's mother, who is Candace Bergen, who's the mayor, who apparently is like the most famous person in the world, which the mayor of New York City is being treated by like royalty, which... I don't really understand. At least she didn't have fake dye running down her hair. She, she that's, I mean, okay, fair enough. <laughs> she was a Democrat, though. They Let's made it get, very clear to they say did. that. They did. They, she was very, yeah, she was very uh, determined to get Patrick Dempsey as the next president of the United States. Which I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that's how it works either, but I digress. Anyway, so Reese Witherspoon is coming from picking out her engagement ring and she's wearing it and she's trying to, to conceal it. Why wouldn't she just take it off or keep it in the box, right? Yeah, she makes a whole big thing about how she doesn't want people to know they're engaged. And then yeah. instead of taking the ring off, she just spins it. Yeah, she spins it around. And then it's like you still have a ring on your you're still ring, wearing a ring. Also in that scene, Candace Bergen's assistant is there and he later travels down to Alabama to dig up some dirt and she does not recognize him, even though. It is clear, if you watch the scene, they are within four feet of each other. 
he's not concealing his his identity at all when he's in Alabama. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon's lawyer didn't know her actual given name, which as a lawyer, you would need to know that information. So here's a question. This is kind of an aside, but he seems like he is Southern. Wouldn't he have known her or known her history? Was he a local guy? Also, he doesn't seem to know who she is when he's going around. Like, have you seen her? She's hard to track down. I didn't really understand that character. Oh, also the, she, so she, she's down in Alabama. First of all, her husband doesn't recognize her, which is weird when she pulls up. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. I mean, she definitely, they said they haven't seen each other for seven years. That's not that long of a time. She may have changed her name. I don't think she altered her appearance, but also she's got all that furniture that she's replaced in the house, all of it in like a day, an afternoon, and it's all installed. Do you even think that there's like a big box store that she could have bought that in around that town? No, definitely not. So she's getting it shipped from somewhere. Yeah. What's going on with that? So it looked like she had like five hours to do all of that. Yeah, it was a little odd. Okay. All right. What about something that hasn't that didn't really age very well? Uh, Dakota Fanning. Do you know she had her first kiss while filming this movie? And she was seven. That was gross. I will concede that that was extremely gross. And when it happened, I was like, surely there's no way they're going to have these two children kiss on screen. And then they did. Yeah, I, I was doing the same thing. Do you think Alabama is upset about this movie? Do you, do you think they know they're they're the butt of a lot of jokes with some of these themes that come up? You know, we got we got that line. He didn't hit you, did he? Because if you tell me he took a swing at you, I'll take him in right now. We take that stuff pretty serious nowadays. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, good for them. But I was like, wait, that's really sad. Like, shouldn't it have always been that way? I think they know that they're they're targeted for these kind of things. I mean, I don't think that makes them happy about it, but it does come up a lot. Hmm. Okay, Rob, I got I got a couple random thoughts for you too. Um, why is the company that Josh Lucas's character have? Why does he keep it a secret? He wants to show her that uh, he's more than he is, and he's got this amazing thing that he's doing. Wouldn't you think he'd play this card at some point? At first, you're thinking, oh, he just wants her to love him for who he is. But then we find out he wanted to make something of himself before he tried to get her back. Yeah. And I think what he's doing with his with his art and with a store, isn't that an extension of who he is? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, here's one for you, Rob. We have a scene with the uh, Civil War reenactment, which uh, we won't really go into detail on which side they may have been rooting for. But <laughs> how much coordination do you think those war reenactments take do you think there's like a script like how do you know who falls down on the fake shooting and right who surrender like they, they have to have scripts right they have to have oh, on the 214th bullet shot oh, that's mine that's when i go down <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it, yeah it seems like a lot to coordinate the one thing i will also point out was how do you get a marriage license if you're already married i don't think you can i think you only get the one all right. I don't know. Both these movies have some plot holes. Both these movies have some cringy things. I do feel like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days had a little bit more plot holes than Sweet Home Alabama. You know what line may have been the cringiest for me? And it does, as sad to say, it is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. The marketing campaign. 80s, frost yourself. Oh my gosh, so bad. Did Like I almost turned the movie off after that. That's bad. There was so much good stuff in that movie, and that was so bad. I'll give this one to you, Rob. No sweep. All right. Okay. So we're three to one. No sweep. I'm on the board. Don't call it a comeback. Round five, our miscellaneous question of the week. Which couple would be more fun to double date with? 
I think I'd rather double date with Reese Witherspoon and Josh Lucas's characters. And here's the reason why. We saw them cut loose a little bit. I think the key would be keeping Melanie under a certain amount of shots so that she doesn't turn into the Melanie that starts calling everybody out at the bar and making people feel uncomfortable. But if you mm-hmm. can keep her in that sweet spot, her, Josh Lucas's character, we saw them dance. They have some good taste in some like country music. They'd be a good time. You never know what direction Felony Melanie is going to take the night. Felony Melanie, I like that. It would be fun to hang out with Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey for a little bit, maybe. They're just wild cards, man. Like, you never know. And I don't know if I could keep up with them hitting the city. Like, that's just not my style. Kate Hudson wants to be a serious journalist. She seems like she'd be a good time, but there's also a chance she just might like talk to you about some foreign issue that's going on. And it's just, you have to just like pretend uh like you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's so terrible and tragic. What can I do to help? But you know, you go out on the town with Melanie and Jake and you're drinking, you're playing some cornhole, you're listening to some music in the back of your truck, probably going to a fair, eating some great fried food. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe get a ride on his seaplane. You know, I think, I think just that small town vibe, you know, hanging out in the bar, shooting some pool. Possibly getting struck by lightning. I mean, it's got it all, right? That's the American dream right there. You got to give me this one. I'm giving you this one. And I'm, yeah, I don't even feel bad about it. All right. Three to two. Entering round six. Better trivia. So we will alternate. Alex will say one. I will say one. And we're going to see which ones we like more. All right. I'll kick it off, Rob. The Isadora necklace. That was about a $6 million necklace in real life. Wow. That is more money than I think I will ever see unless this podcast gets really, really, really popular. All right. Well, I have Melanie's cushion cut Tiffany engagement ring would cost $125,000. That is only slightly more than what I paid for Krista's engagement ring. Yeah. And by slightly, I mean exponentially. You mean exponentially. Yes. Yes. Sometimes those words do get mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle and Jeannie are named after authors of the book that How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is based off of. Oh, hmm. that's fun. The two dogs mentioned in the movie, they've got Bear and Bryant, are references to legendary University of Alabama head football coach Paul Bear Bryant. Roll Tide. I don't like University of Alabama, so I I don't know why I said Roll Tide. I want to cut it out of this podcast. That's how much I dislike it, but I also want the world to know you said it. Abby's going to, she's going to love that. She says it to me all the time. All the, I'm not even kidding. Is she an Alabama fan? No. She just knows I, I do not like them. Oh, man. And anytime she hears Alabama or sees them on TV, she goes, roll dead. Anytime I hear Alabama, I always think of the Forrest Gump line. You should go home to Greenbow, Alabama. Oh, man, what a great movie. Yeah. Okay, the premise of this movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, appears to be directly borrowed from Sex and the Single Girl from 1964, as well as the ending, which also includes a taxi cab being pursued by a motorcycle. Hmm, interesting. Well, did you know that in the movie Barsat, which is a Bollywood remake of Sweet Home Alabama, the gender roles are reversed and Priyanka Chopra Jonas plays the Jake Perry part. It's actually about a Indian man who comes to America and then goes back to India and all of that. Oh, didn't know that. All right. In the opening credits of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, they show some various magazine covers. And one of the cover models is a young Katherine Heigl. Wow. 
Interesting you mentioned Katherine Heigl of Grey's Anatomy fame. So Patrick Dempsey, who would also go on to star in Grey's Anatomy, was in Sweet Home Alabama. Do you know how many people in the movie Sweet Home Alabama also appeared in Grey's Anatomy? I can't say that I do. Twelve. Twelve. Twelve actors that were in Sweet Home Alabama went on to be in Grey's Anatomy. And I feel like that is what pushes me over the top in this round. Wow. You got some more, though? I don't have any more for uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. You got anything good for Sweet Home Alabama? I do have some. I have a couple things for Sweet Home Alabama. Do All I right, share so them So you're just you? proving my point more. I Yeah, this is like probably not the best look to be uh, helping out the opposition, but I find these to be very interesting. Sweet Home Alabama is the first movie to be filmed in New York City after 9-11. Oh, wow. And it's the first movie to film at location in Tiffany's since the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, it was a good look for Tiffany's. Yeah. So, all right, you're giving that. I just find the, the the trivia from Sweet Home Alabama to be a little more interesting. Wow, three two three. Are you getting nervous? I, I, I mean, I had the lead. I had the lead. I'm coming off a loss. I was up three zero, and now we're three three. Three to three could be storybook ending. If you win this, I mean, this might be it. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. might just walk away. We just end the podcast. Cinderella story. All right, final round. Round seven. Better story, better script, more fun. Alex, let me start this off by asking you a question. Okay. How awful is it what the two characters in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days are doing to each other? And who is worse in the situation? Is trying to make someone fall in love with you or trying to push somebody away worse? I was thinking about this when I was watching the movie. I think that what Matthew McConaughey is doing might be worse. He's trying to make these feelings materialize from Kate Hudson's character with really he's not looking to reciprocate. It just so happens that is what happens, which makes the movie work. But Kate Hudson, I think, is going into it like it's pretty obvious. You know, she's (laughs) she's being pretty terrible, being obnoxious, all these kind of things. Yeah. While I don't think it's nice to use someone's experience without their knowledge to write an article about it, I don't think that's as bad as making somebody fall in love with you to get ahead at work and then what break up with them as soon as you get what you want. You know, that's really playing with somebody's emotions a little too much. So, okay, Team Kate in this. Team Kate. So we said earlier, I love the scene at the parents' house. I think it really is what kind of pushes this movie over the edge. Um, It's really good. I did have one question. So they insinuate that they consummate their relationship for the first time in the bathroom at his parents' tiny house. That seems awful because that was a small house an older house with probably thin walls a small shower i just feel like probably not the optimal place for your first time probably not and you could tell that there's always a lot of people hanging around that house too and i i would imagine that might be the only bathroom oh yeah and it's like it's definitely in the middle of the house right outside of the kitchen next to the living room and probably right next to the outside and so what do they just like walk out together like oh hey mom hey dad Nothing to see here. No big deal. No Just big deal. some card games. Yep. One thing I did want to talk to you about, Sweet Home Alabama, there's a couple slapsticky or just a little over the top parts. You know, you got the recliner, the chair where the dad, you know, likes people sit in it and then they pulls it back and they go flying, does it to Reese Witherspoon, does it to Candace Bergen. You got this one scene where I believe Josh's character is drinking a beer and the camera is like this weird angle. It just it just felt very out of place to me, like a little more of a caricature of itself. Didn't really fit in with the with the rest 
rest of the aesthetics of the movie. Kind of went at times from being romantic comedy to very slapsticky, over the top, goofy comedy back to romantic comedy unnecessarily. I don't think any of those things made the movie any better. I think I'd agree there. Did you know that there was actually an alternate ending that they had filmed first for Sweet Home Alabama in which they meet up on the beach, they get back together, they kiss again, but lightning strikes them. And then the next scene, Jake is carrying Melanie into the rehearsal space and she is seemingly dead in his arms. And he says, Melanie Carmichael is dead. Long live Melanie felony. And she gets back up and everyone's like, oh, she's alive. And they changed that because they said it was really hard to come back from. People really thought that she was dead. Now Mm -hmm. I watched the scene and I also thought she was dead. Is it weird that I kind of think it might have been a funnier ending if she had died? Yeah, right. Wow. That would have really changed the movie. Really changed the whole tone. I don't think you can do it. You said it in the beginning. Romantic comedies need to make you feel good. You need to have a happy ending. That would not have been it. But wow, that would have got people talking. You know, that may have changed our scoring here. But sadly, it did not. All right. So, Alex, who are we saying gets the point for round seven? Well, we had a big lead. We lost that lead. But I think ultimately, in the end, I will give this point, And I think deserving of this point is how to lose a guy in 10 days. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, I think you are correct. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, a little bit better of a script. Kate Hudson is really hilarious in that movie, and I think that's what pushes it over the top for me too. So congrats, Alex. First win of the pod for you. First win of the pod. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Let's go for a win streak. You know, something watching Sweet Home Alabama, you know, city girl goes back to her hometown, finds love. That's like the plot of 75% of the Hallmark Channel movies. Did this movie start the Hallmark movie trend? It seems like after this movie, you did see an influx of especially the Christmas Hallmark movies where this is basically the plot of a lot of those. And every year, it seems like they're churning out more and more of these Hallmark movies. They're very formulaic. And it does seem like this is the blueprint. It seems like a much better done version of some of those Hallmark movies. No disrespect to Hallmark Channel movies, but I could see how people would have seen the success of this and been like, oh, yeah, we could do variations of that. To me, sometimes it feels like the Hallmark. I mean, because I do watch those Hallmark Christmas movies. I think they film like three of them at the same time. You know, it's just like face this camera, same actress, face this camera, but you're a different character with a different line. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, man. All right, so Alex, we like to talk a little bit about alternate reality sports. Well, in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, they did show the 2002 NBA Finals between the New York Knicks and the Sacramento Kings. They actually never say who wins the series in this. Who do you got? Who do you think's winning Game 7? Oh, gosh, you're right, isn't it? They put all this time into that into that series, and they never say who wins. Let's go Knicks. Let's, let's give the Knicks one. I'm thinking it's a happy moment for New York all around. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have any closing thoughts? I was excited to watch these two again, and they did not disappoint. You know, I know Sweet Home Alabama might be a little cheesy at times, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days might be a little cringy at times, but I mean, I feel like these two are classics in the genre. So for me, I did enjoy going back and watching these two. I love these type of movies. Maybe it's because they came out when we were in middle school and we just grew up with them, but they're just fun movies, and that is what... I love to see. I want to sit down, watch a movie, laugh, and have some fun. And both of these movies brought that. 
So what is our Rock and Robin Tomatoes rankings? Rock and Robin Tomatoes. I'm curious to hear yours, but I'm going to say Sweet Home Alabama sitting 65. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I'm going to go 81. I went How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, 75%. Okay. I went Sweet Home Alabama, 71%. And while as a movie, I do feel like it could be lower, every time it's on, I'll still watch it. Yeah. And you know, that's the point, right? That is the point. Well, Alex, congratulations on your first win. Think once again, best episode yet, right? Every time. Always the best one. This has been the Movie Showdown with Rock and Rob. Like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. If you want to engage with us on the socials, we have some cool stuff going on there. At Rock and Rob Show on all the platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Peace, we're out of here. See ya. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Bye, Felicia. That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Hasta la vista, baby.